the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990. FM 101.5, the word in Orlando, and oh, we're so glad when you join us. So is Pete Paquette. He's the engineer behind the glass. Andrew Herdliska produces the show, and I'm so pleased to welcome Lucy Austin. She's in Washington State, long way away from Orlando, Lucy, but uh, welcome, and we're going to talk about your book, Elizabeth Elizabeth Elliot, A Life. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well, and I'm glad to be here. Lucy, <clears throat> tell me about your interest in the great Elizabeth Elliot. What triggered all this? Uh, well, my mom gave me one of her books in high school, uh, and then she had some other Elizabeth Elliot books on her shelf, and so I read those over time. Uh, and then um, after I graduated from college and was uh, was working, I was working on a project where I needed to write a a little mini biography, a couple of pages on Elizabeth Elliot. And so I went to check out all of the uh, full-length biographies of Elizabeth Elliot from the library so I could read them and take notes for my own project, and I discovered that there weren't any. Um, And uh, so I ended up having to go to source material to write that little project. And and that really got me intrigued and interested in her life and... um, so this project kind of came out of that intersection of of my interest and then the gap in uh, published work about her. Lucy, uh, your book breaks down into <clears throat> three parts. <clears throat> Excuse me. Part one, 1926 to 1952. And uh, you write about Elizabeth Howard the Great and B, not seem for Christ in his kingdom. Red mud and hoar frost. Uh, what's going on in part one? Fill us in. So part one covers the section kind of uh, from her birth or a little bit of family history from before her birth up until the time when, um, as a young woman, she leaves the United States and moves to Ecuador uh, to work as a missionary. Um, so those those chapters are uh, kind of her childhood, um, her her time at a... Christian boarding school uh, in high school, uh, her time at Wheaton College in Illinois, um, and then her work uh, between when she graduated from college and when she moved uh, to Ecuador. What was her childhood like? Um, I would say it was a pretty typical, pretty happy childhood. Um, She was one of uh, six kids, 
and they had a dog, and the house was a big yard, uh, and ran around the neighborhood, and um, they walked to school and walked home for lunch every day, and um, had uh, loving parents, and yeah, I think she had a, a pretty good childhood as childhoods go. And where was that, by the way? Where did she grow up? Uh, that was in uh, Pennsylvania. She lived um, first in Germantown and then in Moorestown, uh, in New Jersey, excuse me. So, and Moorestown, an interesting little note, uh, uh, Lucy, when I was the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers back in the 70s and 80s, uh-huh. uh, we lived in Moorestown, New Jersey. Okay. Right across the river from Philadelphia, and that's uh, that was uh, that was Elizabeth Elliot country, and I didn't know yeah. it. I didn't know it then, yeah. but yep, you were nearby. <laughs> that's great. Um, how did she end up at Wheaton College? Um, her father was a trustee, and um, children of trustees got a uh, substantial discount at that time, and. Um, it was it was just expected in their family that the kids would go to college, but money was pretty tight because her father worked for a, um, a Christian publication that uh, couldn't afford to pay as much as some other places maybe could have, and so uh, so Wheaton had a good combination of uh, a high academic uh, reputation and a high spiritual reputation, and uh, was affordable for her. So. As you as you look back. Uh, what did those years at Wheaton mean to her? Um, I think they were really a kind of a transition point from um, from I think what she would have seen as childhood into adulthood in a lot of ways. Um, she she kind of shifted her focus over her four years there, um, kind of settled on what she felt God was calling her to have uh, as a career. Uh, started shifting her activities to focus on that um, and just became very, very focused toward the mission field. What do, you, what do you think called her to the mission field? Was there something that happened in her life? Um, well, she had grown up. I mean, her, her parents had been missionaries before she was born. Um, and uh, they had, once they moved back to the U.S., um, you know, they they hosted missionaries in their home when they were home on furlough. Um, they frequently had missionaries there to dinner. Um, they were in a, a church environment that heavily promoted missions. And so I think that had always kind of been um, just part of the, the air she breathed. Uh, and then as she was praying um, over a period of um, months or years about what God wanted her to do with her life, she felt like, um, she felt like he spoke to her through Scripture uh, and called her to the mission field, particularly in the book of Isaiah. Lucy Austin is our guest. We're talking about this book. She's written Elizabeth Elliot, A Life. Lucy, I want to move to part two. Things begin to heat up here. Uh, this is 1952 uh, to 1963, and you write uh, in a different time, in a different place through the waters, an alien, a stranger. And then you finish that part with this question, where is Rehoboth? Uh, I want to hear all about part two. Right. 
Uh, well, part two is uh, going to cover her time in Ecuador. Um, she was there for 11 years, and uh, she was she was um, working in um, linguistics, preparing um, unwritten languages, uh, reducing them to writing so that a Bible translation could be started, um, and then also doing some Bible translating herself. Um, and she worked in, in three separate unwritten languages um, during her time there. Um, and, uh, and, of course, she married Jim Elliott while she lived there, and, um, and he was later killed in the story that made her, kind of brought her to fame or to, to be widely known. Um, so, yeah, so that's what that section is about, is her life in Ecuador. How did she meet Jim Elliott? They met actually at Wheaton, um, and uh, Jim and her, uh, her younger brother Dave were um, classmates. They were both juniors when she was a senior, and um, they were on the wrestling team together. And the her brother and Jim spent a lot of time together. And um, one year, uh, Dave brought Jim home for Christmas. Um, so anyway, so they met through that friendship, uh, and then. Um, spent time together on campus and uh, were fellow Greek ma- majors, so they studied um, studied together and that kind of thing. Do you think it was love at first sight? Oh, uh, I think it was attraction at first sight. Certainly, <laughs> they um, they kind of started a discussion about uh, a romantic relationship. Um, you know, not immediately, but after several months of knowing each other as friends while they were still at Wheaton. How would you describe their marriage? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, it was pretty brief uh, because of Jim's death. Uh, I think it was happy overall. I mean, no, no relationship is without its... Uh, and they certainly had things that they had to uh, work out together. But I think that they were happy together. How did his death affect her? Um, well, I think, uh, I mean, it, it affected her deeply. Uh, it changed the course of her life. Uh, she was um, She was very committed to walking with God in her grief. Um, but she was definitely deeply grieved, and uh, and she really missed him for a really long time. Lucy Austin is with us. We're talking about her new book, Elizabeth Elliot, A Life. Um, <clears throat> now, as a result of that death and the other uh, missionaries, Elizabeth Elliot becomes really a worldwide name. How did that affect her? How did she deal with that? Um, well, she wasn't necessarily a big fan of being a worldwide name. Uh, uh, there are a few places in her letters uh, when she's writing home to her family uh, after his death while she's still in Ecuador where she says she wishes that uh, people would stop paying so much attention uh to her and to their story and and 
go pay attention to some other missionaries in other places who are doing uh, bigger and better and more interesting things. Um, but, you know, I think she, I think she took the circumstances of her life uh, as though she was receiving them from the hand of God. And so she tried to uh, accept that, that this was what God had for her at this point in time and to be a good steward of it. Um, and she used the platform she had to, uh, to talk about the Lord and uh, about her beliefs about him. Lucy Austin, out there in the state of Washington, has written a book, Elizabeth Elliot, A Life. And when we come back, uh, we want to get into part three. That's the period from 1963 to 2015. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And you're plugged into AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Lucy Austin is with us. She's authored the new book on Elizabeth Elliot, simply called A Life. Lucy, we've arrived at part three, 1963 to 2015. And you write, the will of God is not a tightrope. Woman was made for man on all sides. Uh, fill us in on part three. Well, part three um, starts with uh, her return from Ecuador when she moved from Ecuador back to the United States and, uh, and started working to establish a career for herself as a writer uh, and a public speaker. And, um, and then it moves kind of through um, the rest of her life until she died in June of 2015. Um, and so it covers um, her, her writing uh, and looks at her books um, as, as they were published and um, what they show about her, her thinking and her theology uh, at that time. Uh, it covers her family um, and uh, her, she was married again, um, and then her second husband died about four years into their marriage of, uh, of cancer, uh, and then uh, two years after that, she was married a third time, and, uh, and she was married and until her death. So um, just kind of the details of her life, both personal and professional, uh, during that, that long third period of her life. Uh, did did Lucy? I mean, did she have children anywhere along the way? Uh, she had one daughter. She and Jim had a daughter uh, who was uh, very young when he was killed. Uh, yeah, her daughter Valerie. And what's become of her? Um, she is uh, grown up and uh, married and has uh, children and. Uh, um, has written a, a book uh, about her childhood uh, in the jungles in Ecuador and another one about her parents' love story. And, yeah, she's, she's doing well. 
Lucy, as you look back, what was the calling in Ecuador? How did Elizabeth end up there, that country of all the countries she could have been in? Um, Well, she had been praying for a long time about where to be a missionary and trying to be sensitive to God's guidance as she understood it. And um, she had taught me to be um, somewhere in Africa. She had uh, thought maybe about somewhere in um, uh, the South Seas, uh, as they called it then. Um, And then um, she had met... uh, uh, some other missionaries who were interested in work in Ecuador and who suggested that that might be a good fit for her. Uh, but then um, also Jim Elliott had decided that, that that's where he was called to go um, to help an older missionary who was there uh, who had more work than he could do. Um, and so so Jim was going there and uh, and... So kind of the confluence of all of those things uh, led her to decide that that was was the the right place to go. Do you think that she recognized uh, the potential danger that uh, faced her ahead? Well, I mean, I think yes, to the extent that, you know, we can ever understand danger ahead of time. I think intellectually she understood uh, that it was, uh, you know, that she wasn't being called to uh, a bed of roses, so to speak. Yes. At the end of your book, you do an epilogue. Much we do not know. Uh, What are you writing there, uh, Lucy? Um, That section is... um, focused on kind of describing some of the um, the ongoing um, effect of her life and her work since her death, uh, and then just on, on meditating on kind of the big picture um, of her life. You know, after the book, the book describes it in detail and then kind of, kind of doing the lens out and and looking at and thinking about the big picture. If we could sit in on one of her lectures, uh, I guess she, this was later in her life. Uh, what are what would our reaction be? What would we be thinking as we heard her speak? Um, well, I know that uh, one thing that people, one response that people have had to her speaking is just what a good speaker she was. Um, she, she was, her, her father was very particular about proper speech. And so she and all of her siblings were, uh, taught to speak precisely and correctly from an early age. And then she started doing public speaking in high school. Um, she was, uh, the league, the Northwest league debate champion, uh, with a teammate in college, um, and so she was free from all of the verbal tics that, you know, saying, um, like I'm doing, <laughs> that people tend to do when they speak publicly. She was very polished. She held all of her ideas 
um, in her mind. She very seldom used notes of any kind to speak, and she had a, a very effective delivery. She knew when to pause. She knew when to emphasize. Um, so that's certainly one response that people had. I think people were often awed by her story, um, and I hope, you know, I hope encouraged to to walk with the Lord um, from hearing her talk. Lucy, if you could have lunch today with Elizabeth Elliot, what would that be like, and, and what would you want to ask her? Well, I think I'd want to get her opinion on the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but I have been told uh, that she enjoyed, you know, splitting the dessert and um, talking about books and ideas and um so I I hope that we would uh, have have a pot of tea and you know share a piece of cake and um, <laughs> yeah and just visit. What do you want to people to take from our chat and from reading your new book? Well, um, you know, on Elizabeth Elliot's radio show that she did for many years, her. Uh, her introductory line that she always said was, uh, you are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And uh, and I think that's what I would like uh, people to come away with when they read the book, is uh, that her, her life was ultimately wrapped up uh, in knowing God's love and responding with love in return. Lucy, how do you uh, want people to remember Jim Elliott? Um, I hope uh, that they'll remember him as a uh, fun-loving young man who was passionate about Jesus and uh, was certainly human and certainly... uh, made mistakes and didn't always get things right. Uh, but he loved the Lord. When did you become a writer, uh, Lucy? How did your writing career start? Oh, goodness. Um, I think career-wise, uh, it started after my college graduation. Um, I was working for a homeschool resource company that put out um, the testing, uh, standardized testing, uh, put out curriculum, and um, and offered correspondence instruction for, for the older grades. Um, and when they started developing a new product line of literature and composition textbooks for high schoolers, I, um, I participated in that, and so that's where I got started. Uh, writing and publishing, but, um, you know, I, my, my major in college was in writing with, uh, it was in English with an emphasis in writing. And so I think I just kind of, that's always been my, my bent. Where did you go to college? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I went to college at the university of Washington mm-hmm. in Seattle. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I have grown up in, uh, the Pacific Northwest and, uh, you know, don't use an umbrella when I go out in the rain. <laughs> what what are summers like out your way? 
Well, lately, the last several years, they've been hot. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, we had a, a heat dome a couple of years ago where it was 120 here for a couple of days. But uh, but typically, they're, you know, they're in the 80s and 90s and uh, sunny and warm, but uh, not too hot and very pleasant. So. Well, I'm so glad to meet you uh, by uh, radio, uh, Lucy. Likewise. Likewise. And, Thank you for having me on. And... Um, Stay on with me for just a minute. We uh, we need to do a quick wrap-up. I just want to remind you folks that uh, every weekend, this is what we do. We gather and uh, we talk with some really interesting guests. And uh, after the break here, we'll have another interesting guest to chat with. Uh, the name of the show is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, and the call letters, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. And that's where you need to be tuned all day long. It'll make a huge, huge difference in your life. And, of course, it's it's part of the mighty Salem Network, which beams Christian talk and music all over the country. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Our guest in that first segment, Lucy Austin, uh, talking about her book about uh, the great Elizabeth Elliot. Carrie Garcia is with us. She is in Chicago, Illinois. Her book, Free and Fully Alive, Reclaiming the Story of Who You Were Created to Be. Carrie, welcome to Orlando. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Now, explain this book title to us. What's this all about? Well, I think it all kind of started in understanding I came to know Jesus at four, and I really was free. Like, I'm a child of God. This is who I am. But the world that I was being raised in, although pastor's kid, mom was in the worship team, we didn't talk about the private things that were happening in our home that were destructive. My mom's eating disorder, suicidal ideation, my dad's kind of escapism into ministry— and although I was free in Jesus, I was not, I did not understand the abundant life that God talked about. It seemed like all he wanted was for us to perform. And that, that felt empty and shallow and brought me to places of real heartache. And so this journey and kind of this pilgrimage, if you will, was to discover, I know I'm free in Jesus, but can I also be and live a fully alive life this side of heaven? Or do I have to wait? And his scripture really speaks to the fact that we don't have to wait, that it is for us today. But there are some things that we need to engage uh, with Jesus, ourselves, and with others to be able to start encountering the and, the free and fully alive life that he promises in scripture. So I was like, I got to write a book about it, because this is what I've been doing for the past 30 years, is discovering the answer to that. (laughs) Carrie, your book consists of seven parts. So let's dive in. Part one, free and fully alive, and you talk about setting the stage and reclaiming childlike wonder. You mentioned that. Anything more to add? Yeah, I mean, that's truly where I find that 
so many of us started to have those assaults from the enemy is when we were really young and we didn't have our defenses. You know, we were formed by God, but we were very shaped by a world. And I think that's what God is wanting to do is bring us back to the hands that formed him and start to heal us from the world that has shaped us. Now let's dive into part two, courageous and free, the cycle of false freedom. Embrace your story, a courageous act an abundant life. Explain that to us. Yeah, well, I believe when we haven't dealt with some of the root issues in our lives, the, the places where the enemy has rooted and the world has shaped us, when we haven't dealt with some of those rooted stories, our, our brains, our bodies, our spirits will opt for behavior modification to try to mitigate that pain. I call that the cycle of false freedom, and that could be anything from drug addiction to ministry, anything that's trying to take the place of where Jesus wants to go and actually do deep healing. And I truly believe that takes courageous acts to actually take a look at that and see where am I opting for behavior modification rather than heart transformation. And we stay on that cycle until we really engage some of those root stories that God can tend to and get us off of that cycle and into true transformation. Carrie, you've twice mentioned the word enemy. I want want you to expand on that. I guess I grew up thinking that the enemy was like in Ouija boards and and scary movies and haunted houses. And although I do believe that there is some links to that, I think that he goes unnamed and unchallenged in the particularities of our personal story. If we are made in the image of God and we have a unique personal calling to live out uh, our calling in only the way that we can do, then his assault and attack on us is in the unique places where we were formed and created for goodness. And we don't talk about that. And in the book, I go into the particularities of how the enemy works in your story, where he sniffs out goodness and he wants to eradicate it by partnering with people on this world, in this world to uh, mar, to steal and kill the places in your story that make you uniquely you. And so I go into that because that was huge revelation for me of understanding the battle in which I'm fighting. As we move along, my guest, Carrie Garcia in Chicago, not Sherry Garcia, but Carrie Garcia, Free and Fully Alive, the name of the book. Part three, Carrie, The Enemy's mm-hmm. Plan. Oh, we come back to the enemy, the truth of the enemy, the thief, the murderer, the destroyer. And then you tell us, suit up and fight. Yes. Yeah. I think you can't fight a battle unless you really know what you're actually fighting. And I think for many of us, it's like we have a quiver of arrows in the back of us and we just shoot hoping that we're going to hit at something. But I do think that there is a much more clear path and understanding without fear, but with authority, how the enemy works and how we actually have authority to break the agreements that we've made with him, whether knowing or unknowingly. And we do need a path to doing that. And I help you kind of see where that might have happened in your own story. Now, part four, as we move along with the book, Free and Fully Alive, Reclaiming the Story of Who You Were Created to Be, Carrie, you call this connection to self, and Mm -hmm. and included in this discussion, emotional language, the T word, I want to hear about that, a new Mm -hmm. path, acknowledging our needs and engaging the body, lots Mm -hmm. of interesting stuff going on here, Carrie. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people ask me, why didn't you put connection to God first? And the truth is, we can't actually fully connect with God until we understand where we really are. 
The prodigal didn't understand to go back to his father until he realized that he was sitting with pigs. And the truth is, is that we have to connect with what's actually going on inside us, the honest places of our heart. And the T word is really understanding trauma. It's understanding the places. And trauma is anytime you've felt powerless. So we've all experienced trauma. Where in those trauma places has it rooted um, things in your heart that has created you to act out in ways you don't really want to act out in or are causing destruction or small pricks of uh, behavior that move you away from God? We have to connect to ourselves first and get honest. Where am I really? What am I really needing? And how can I invite God into that? Which obviously moves us into the next portion of the book. (laughs) Carrie Garcia free and fully alive. um, Did we cover the T word? Yeah. So that T word is kind of what I said earlier. It's about the the T word is trauma. It's the word that we don't really know what to do with. The world talks about it a ton. The church sometimes tends to shy away from it and we don't need to. Trauma, like I said, by, by layman's definition is anytime we've experienced powerlessness and we may have experienced that, we create coping mechanisms, behaviors to keep us from having to feel that pain. But God actually wants to move us into the places of those trauma that has produced shame and be able to help engage those and heal those. So the trauma event in your life doesn't dictate how you love and lead and listen. Well, Carrie, you've covered connection to self. Now you move on to part five, which is connection with God. And you write, godly grief and the power of invitation, and we need Jesus. Yes, yes. Well, think about what Paul said when he was talking to the Corinthians. He was like, look, I'm sad that I wrote you this letter that brought you such sadness, and yet I'm thankful because it is the grief that moved you to hope. When we, He says, when we engage uh, earthly grief, it moves us to despair. So there is a difference. I think when we don't engage the grief of our story, when we don't lament what has happened and bring those sorrows before the Lord, not just give it to God, but truly invite God into the story and let him tend to our heart, the grief overwhelms us. And we all act out in different ways when we have grief in our lives. It could be the overachiever that doesn't want to have to deal with her pain. It could be the drug addict. But at the end of the day, God wants to engage our grief not as a bypasser or a bystander, but truly being invited into the story where he can tend as a good shepherd does. And I truly believe that that is part of how we begin to heal in the honesty and fragile places of our heart. Carrie, I want you to talk more about we need Jesus. Yeah, we, we can't do this without him. The world, if I, did, if I did a book that said Connection to Self, period, I would be offering what the rest of the world offers. We do have to connect to ourselves first. That is important. We need to knock so the door can open. We need to seek so that we can find. And yet without Jesus, we will opt for behavior modification over and over and over again. I see this in both secular and Christian environments where we're settling for less than heart transformation and opting for behavior modification. But without Jesus, we will always, as humans, opt for behaviors to try to change our life and heal our hearts. And without Jesus, there can be no supernatural exchange. We're speaking with Carrie Garcia in Chicago, free and fully alive, reclaiming the story of who you were created to be. Carrie, who did you write this book for? I think I wrote it for people who are sitting in church 
or maybe have been, uh, you know, disenfranchised by the church who are curious about why do I know I love Jesus, I know Jesus, but I don't, I'm not experiencing the fully alive life that he talks about. And so I'm sitting in anger, I'm sitting in frustration, I'm sitting in apathy. This book is to help you actually get the how to understanding how God wants an intimate, personal relationship with you that tends to all parts of you, not just the parts that look shiny and good. It's for the person sitting in church going, I know there's got to be more to this life than what I'm experiencing. I just don't know how to get there. This is a field guide on how to get there. We're speaking with Carrie Garcia in Chicago. Her book, Free and Fully Alive, Reclaiming the Story of Who You Were Created to Be. When we come back, there are two more key parts here. Uh, One, uh, part six, connection with others. And then part seven, a call to home, a call to you. So uh, Carrie's going to unwind all that for us when we come back. I do want to remind you that we're working, trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. Orlando's ready to be a big league baseball city, and you can be part of it. Uh, Please go up to the website, orlandodreamers.com. OrlandoDreamers.com. Close to 15,000 people have already done that, saying, yes, let's do this. Let's get a Major League Baseball team here in Orlando. But we need to keep the momentum going, and you can be a great help there, going up to OrlandoDreamers.com. My guest is Carrie Garcia. We're talking about her book, Free and Fully Alive. Reclaiming the story of who you were created to be. More with Carrie right after these messages. Here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, it's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Carrie Garcia is my guest. We're talking about her book, Free and Fully Alive. And Carrie, as we mentioned before the break, connection with others. And you write, wired for connection. Envy, the great disconnector. Healthy connection. Safe accountability. Tell us all about this. Yeah, I think for the longest time, connection to self and connection to God was easy for me. But when I look at the fullness of what God has for us on this side of heaven, the free and fully alive life, you cannot discount our connection to others. We're wired for it. It's the moment when God looked down and said, all of this is good, but this isn't. It's not good for you to be alone. And I think for the longest time, I just thought, well, it's me and Jesus. We're good. But the fullness of my healing came when I invited safe, trusted people into my life that were able to speak truth in love and be able to hold up kind of a mirror of what was really going on, naming things for me that I couldn't name for myself. The completion and the fullness. Now, don't get me wrong. I am still on a massive journey of my sanctification and saving process. But the huge part for me, um, like kind of like solidifying that healing process, was when I invited others into the story and felt the completion and the fullness of God and His triune love for me in the in the context of other people. And it's an important piece of the puzzle of our healing. The uh, <clears throat> seventh part, a call to home. 
a call to you. Releasing the old, stepping into the new, repentance, seeing goodness, your heart's desire, the end and the beginning. Uh, It's all yours, Carrie. Yeah, well, let me take one little piece, because repentance is my second favorite word in the Bible outside of salvation, and most people don't really love that word. But as I describe in the book, repentance is it's it's the invitation back to the party. It's the it's the the uh, the parable of our uh, of our beloved uh, you know guy who's sitting with the pigs and and wants to come back to God and or come back to his father and he gets to come back and he gets invited back to the party. And I just think for so many of us, there's an invitation back to actually who you were created to be. Again, the world has formed you and you have stories that have hurt you, and they affect the way that you love and lead in your life. And yet what God wants to do is bring you back to the hands that formed you, and repentance gets to be a part of that. That's why you get to come home. The prodigal got to come home, not because of the four spiritual laws, not because he paid penance, but because repentance, in the sorrow of his repentance, moved him to the love of the Father, and the love of the Father was lavished upon him, they said, I'm just so glad you're home. I'm just so glad you're home. And that is the invitation we get over and over and over again. And he will never stop welcoming you home to the places where you rightfully belong. Um, Carrie, I want to uh, go back <laughs> and uh, just re-review these seven key pieces that you write about. Uh, just give us a little more material on each one and We've got about, uh, oh, we got about eight minutes just to really drive this home. So mm-hmm. let's go back to part one, free and fully alive. Just give me an overview. Yeah, I mean, free and fully alive is the offering and the gift that God has for you. And don't settle for anything other than the fullness of what he has for you in his scripture. If you don't know where it is or what it looks like, don't stop looking for it because it is available to you. Courageous and free. It takes courageous acts to love who you were created to be and to be honest about where you really are. And that's the beginning of the invitation. The enemy's plan. Don't be fooled. He is studying you since the moment you took your first breath. We don't have to walk in fear with that, but we can't also be blind to the particularities and how he's operated in your story. So find that so that you could actually break those agreements in the name of Jesus. Um, By the way, where does the Holy Spirit fit into all this? Man, he's just all in it, isn't he? Like, he is the one that's guiding you. So I believe that the Holy Spirit is our guide. He is the one that offers compassion to us. So when we are, that sense that you have in your belly, something's not right, something's off, I shouldn't go down that road, or I'm stuck, that's the Holy Spirit's conviction inside you that's leading you towards how to take your next step. I mean, this whole book was really motivated by how the Holy Spirit has led me towards freedom. So he, to me, is going to be the voice that's going to lead you to the next step and is going to decipher as you read this book that leads you to scriptures that's going to help decipher how these scriptures apply to your life. Connection to self, an overview. You got to start there. Where are you really? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you needing? You have to start in honesty. Can't get anywhere if you're not honest about where you really are. Connection with God. It's interesting you say connection to self 
but connection with God. Yeah, good. Great point. No one's ever pulled that out, Pat. See, that's so good. Because connection to self is is an internal looking at yourself, but connection with God is an invitation. So we actually have to invite God into our lives. It's a partnership, a with. God has never asked us just to throw our stuff at him and walk away. No, just like the great incarnation, he wants to enter into the story. And that is why I put with there. And no one's ever brought that out. <laughs> well, do I get an A plus for that, Carrie? You do. If you want a gold star, I'm sending you one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you how you can reward me. You can send me a copy of the book. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. All right. Now we go, stay with the word with, connection to self, connection with God, connection with others. Uh, That's right. Fill us in. Again, partnership, right? We've got to have partnership. Partnership is a with. It's not an in. In is internal. It's just, it's, it's self-reflective. But when we're looking at the with God and with others, it's about partnership which really just exemplifies the kingdom of God, that we were meant to be a part of the body of Christ, that we were meant to be a part of his greater story that is happening. That if we just look internal, which is what the enemy wants us to do, and stay there, we will be stuck in the cycle of shame and disappointment and discouragement because it's all internal. But when we go out with and allow the invitation of others and God, we actually can see the more fullness and perspective that God has, and we get to be a part of a larger story that gets us outside of ourselves and into the greater story that God is doing. Carrie, why is it so hard uh, for so many Christians to share their faith with others? I don't think that you can take others farther than you're willing to go yourself. So if you don't really understand the depths of how God has loved you and where he's healed you, and this is why the book is so important for me to write, is because I shared Jesus from a place of performance. I didn't actually share Jesus for the longest time from a place of my brokenness and my heartache met by the redemptive love of God. I think sharing your faith becomes easy when you've allowed God to love you in the depths of your heart. But if he doesn't have access to all of you, then you will share from a place of performance, of self-reliance, of religion. But when you've allowed him to come to all parts of you and he begins to redeem, free people, free people, hurt people, hurt people, but free people, free people. You won't be able to help it. It's just, this has happened and I have to share it. It's this holy discontent that will get begin to rise within you. And it's, it's stunning, truly. And uh, <clears throat> the last thing I just want you to hammer home to us, uh, a call to home, a call to you. Now here, it's interesting. Connection to self, then to withs, a call to home, and a call to you. Right, because God's made you unique. There's no one on this planet that can do and accomplish what God has for you to do. And if you don't understand the fullness of where you've been harmed and where there's been heartache, and you don't allow that to come before the Lord in the fullness of what he wants to do, then you are going to miss out on your particular calling. It is out of the particularities of your pain that produces the particularities of your calling. So when we say a call back to you, it is really now the invitation to what is my unique calling on this planet? What does God want to do in and through me so that I can love others the way God has loved me? 
And so there is a beauty in this unique partnership with God of what he wants to remind you. I formed you with destiny on your bones. You've just lost your way. There's been some marks and we want to heal those. But at the end of that healing, it's going to bring you back to who you were created to be. Carrie, what kind of feedback are you getting on your book? Um, people are like, this is making me curious that I didn't even know I had a story. I didn't even know that I, that I was struggling, but I knew something was off, and this is giving me language for that. The other thing has been a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of men and women say, man, I've gotten this for myself, and now I've got it for my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law, my, my friend that's down the street that's just been really stuck in cycles of shame. And so they've given it away. And that's been a really cool response that, again, free people, free people. So they're starting to experience the freedom in the book and understanding with more simplicity and clarity what's happening in their story. And now they're wanting to pay it forward and go, oh, my gosh, you have to read. This is going to help give you the field guide and the how on beginning discovering, like, just the love of God within your story. So it's been really cool. Uh, Carrie, uh, in conclusion... Uh, what do you want people to take from our discussion? That your story does not disqualify you. It's the very thing that actually qualifies you to experience and share the love of God on this earth. And that don't fear freedom. It may be hard to have to look at some of those places that are difficult in your life, but they are keeping you bound from the abundant free life that God has to offer you. Don't leave any scraps. Don't leave any scraps. If God promises abundant life, take him at his word and don't stop searching for it, looking for it, seeking it, because this side of heaven is actually promised with goodness and inheritance. And so I just want that for everyone. Like there is a life for you that is free and fully alive. Don't just settle for freedom. Get it all. Take it all. And he has it to offer freely. Carrie Garcia has been our guest. She's in Chicago. And uh, has explained to us this new book, Free and Fully Alive. Thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Have a wonderful week ahead. Stay tuned to AM 990, FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. And uh, may God richly bless you. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.